Alrighty, guys, welcome back to episode three of our Building a Dividend Portfolio Series. Hi, everybody. My name is Brandon. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark. Uh, hello. The votes were in, and it was a pretty it was a pretty split decision. Yeah, Dad. I mean, you actually tallied it up, but I today should. we're going we're today we're going with monthly dividend payers. Yeah, the, the the two by far the two most requested were monthly and uh, dividend aristocrats. And in fact, the Aristocats was uh, requested quite a bit too, but we don't really have much information on that. That's an old Disney movie. But um, yeah. the, uh, so we've chosen, well, we've chosen because we said we would go with the with the vote. So uh, this week we're going with the monthly payers. And then probably next week, I go. I guess going with the dividend aristocrats to sort of round everything off. I think that's um, that'll be the plan. And if you haven't caught our, our first two episodes in the series, I'll link them up at the top of this page. That was, of course, the high income portfolios, the high income dividend payers, and then the dividend growers. So now let's move over to monthly. And I think that what is it about monthly dividend payers that are so enticing? Because it is, uh, as we saw in the comment section, it was the most voted for in this episode. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is the reasoning behind that? Well, you know, it kind of caught me a little bit off guard because I didn't, I didn't know there was so much interest in, in monthly uh, dividends payers. And in my, you know, in my work during my career in the industry, there's really not a lot of focus put on that. I mean, by default, most companies pay quarterly, and and that seems to be just what is done. And so, oh yeah, that's just how it is. That's how it is. So I think the appeal kind of what I heard from some of the viewers were, you know, I, I want to get the money in my hand today, almost like sort of a, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, I guess. And so you could argue that if you have a dividend divided, you know, by four payments over the year versus divided by one, assuming, or sorry, divided by 12, assuming that it's the same yield at the end of the day, having that money earlier would be more beneficial because you can put it to work faster. Mm -hmm. I know you and I were talking just before we started shooting here. That might be countered. I would say it is because the, the mechanisms, uh, the mechanics behind dividend paying is when you have a stock and when that dividend is paid out, the price is adjusted, you know, to equal, you know, to take that dividend. Into account. In, yeah. so, yes, you do have money in your hands earlier that you can put to work and compound at the same time that the, you know, the, the asset itself the price goes down. So if you're relying on that as a compounding asset as well, well, you're going to be having a slightly smaller base there. So I'm not sure how the exactly where the numbers play out, but it was other than that, it's, I don't see a, a, a real benefit to having a monthly versus a quarterly, but I'm, yeah. Know. And my other argument against a monthly dividend pair, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, dad, but I would say like, you know, let's assume a company pays a $2 dividend. I'll put a little numbers up on the screen so they can follow along. Sure. You know, whether you receive that in a quarterly fashion, whether you receive that over 12 months or whether you receive that in theory, how funny would this be all up front in January? Like let's right. assume in January, you receive a $2 one-time dividend payment from a company and that's yep. what they pay off for the year. As investors, we have the flexibility to then it, let's assume we are using this to uh, supplement or to like uh, pay for our stuff and our expenses we can then kind of withdraw out as we please. And True. I think if you're if you're solely saying, well, I only want to focus on monthly dividend payers, like you said, that really narrows down the scope of your investments out there because there aren't a huge selection compared to quarterly dividend payers. So oh, it's yeah, a fraction. It's yeah, a fraction. It's a fraction. It, 
your math is right on that. I mean, if, if you're using it for cash flow purposes, right? Right. If you're if you're using it because you want to, you know, invest that in something else right away, then I, I would say there might be an argument there. But from a cash flow perspective, oh, yeah, right. you get it all up front or you get it all at the end of the day. In fact, I would say a lot of people don't want that cash flow up front because the tendency then if it's in your bank account, you're going to go and spend it on True. things. Whereas if you get it on a monthly basis, uh, it evens it out and it's easier to budget that way. Um, if you are using the money for cash flow, definitely another advantage for monthly is it's easier to budget. I mean, in theory, sure. if you had a portfolio of just monthly payers, you would know very accurately every single month at, what your paycheck would be, and it would be very consistent. So you could budget on that, whereas quarterly dividends, you're going to have some months that are higher, some months that are lower. If you have enough securities, you're going to have some money coming in every, every month. month. I yeah. can see that as well. So uh, there's two ends to that, whether it's income that you're looking for or whether it's, you know, income to reinvest that there would make a difference perhaps in your decision there. That's very I'll fair. I'm uh, sorry, Brian, I'll just take a moment to say, regardless, I would never want to build a portfolio only of monthly payers. That can't mm -hmm. be the number one <clears throat> criteria because as you say, you're eliminating so many great companies and so many great opportunities then. So sure, let it be part of your <clears throat> overall strategy, but it, it can't be the, the you know the the uh, sort of the be all and end all to to the portfolio I, I wouldn't say right yeah well hey I, I I mean that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about up front it's not much of a, it's not a disclaimer it's just bringing up all the different um, points about it you know there it should um, is it fair to say if I were going to summarize that people that would benefit from a monthly dividend portfolio I'm just mm -hmm. taking what you said as long as what I said sure. um, it provides the peace of mind because you know every month uh, let's say you have yeah. bills at certain months you can you'll know you'll be able to knock those off it does give you um obviously you're getting more frequent pay uh contributions so like you said you have money in hand and it yeah. guess you were going to reinvest that money or reallocate it more frequently is better that's fair yeah. to say and um man maybe those were the only two kind of things i took away from that but <laughs> I, I know there are a lot of there are a lot of smart people who watch these videos and sometimes you get some really good comments with some you know in-depth math and if somebody has sort of the the math behind that mm -hmm. uh, leave a comment and, and uh educate the whole world that's kind of the whole purpose of this channel is to share information community. we're all one community here and trying to teach each other and there's a lot we can learn and the viewers can learn from each other's learn 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 yeah. Yeah. And I guess in, in my career, I, like I say, I spent very little time focused on the monthly dividend payers other than, you know, a lot of ETFs tend to pay monthly. So to what extent I used ETFs, that was a, almost a byproduct of those. But REITs, um, REITs as well, they have a lot of cash. And REITs. Yeah. yeah. And, so, we, and we will be covering a couple of those in today's video, actually. I mean, maybe now we just dive on in. Like, sure. why don't we do, why don't why don't we do that? we got three stock selections each. You want to go first, Dad, or you want me to take it away? Uh, well, let's just keep with the trend and you kind of work on the introduction and I start off first. So I'll go ahead and do that today. So I'll start off and I do have a mixture today. I have one uh, American company, uh, one Canadian company, and then an ETF, uh, which is Canadian based that uh, we've had a lot of requests for. So the first company that I'm going to have a look at today is called Realty Income Corporation. Now this is an American company and the ticker is simply O. The company's trading right now for around $67 US. It does trade, uh, or sorry, it forms part of the S&P 500 companies with about a $24 billion market cap. So just a quick overview of the company itself. It is, uh, as the name implies, a realty uh, income corporation is in the REIT space. This company has 6,500 properties, all with, or most with long-term leases. So it does provide some 
consistent, stable income. Uh, I like how this company has a diversified source of revenues. They've got about 600 clients, uh, 51 industries, 49 states, including Puerto Rico and the United Kingdom. Most of the revenue comes from the retail space, about 84%. There's about 11% in industrial and a smattering. There's about 3% in office space and about 2% in agriculture. Really importantly, half, about 51% of the income comes from their investment grade clients and 90% from their top 20 clients. So the top end of their book is, is very strong indeed. Some of the names, I mean, the list goes on and on, but you look at Walgreens and 7-Eleven and Dollar General, FedEx, Walmart, and, and a number of more of these big Fortune 500 companies that provide them with regular consistent rental income. One of the things I looked at, uh, and you always have to look at this, I guess, is you know what happens when there's these black swan events. So I look back through COVID, the most recent event that we've gone through uh, in earnest, and I would say that uh, this company really did pass the test in that regard. In the latest numbers, uh, they had uh, about a 94% retention in their income. And you think of all that we've gone through through COVID and the layoffs and the, the company shutting down and everything else. I think that speaks to the quality of the companies that they um, have as tenants. The only sector really that they suffered from was uh, both the fitness centers and the theaters. So mm -hmm. understandably, with those being closed, I mean, they, they were some rent uh, that didn't get paid in those sectors. But I do believe that once things have settled down or once we've gone through the COVID pandemic, I mean, those will come back online to the most part and bring things right back up. This company, let's have a closer look at their dividend. They are a member of both the S&P 500 High Yield Dividend Aristocrats Index and the S&P 500 Dividend Aristocrats Index, currently yielding about 4.3%. Listen to these numbers. They have 52 years of paying monthly dividends. And start breaking down a little bit more. There's 607 consecutive monthly dividends over that 52-year time period, 93 consecutive quarterly increases, and 109 dividend increases since 1994. So, you know, when you're looking for consistent income and part of that income, I would argue, should always be focused on increasing income. I can't think of a better example than a, a company like this. Compound annual growth rate is about 4.4%. I would say a very stable company with a reliable income stream. Again, once we get through, you know, the COVID, they're going to be back to where they were. And I think that it's a company that, uh, that you know, should be on your radar or, you know, should have a look at uh, perhaps adding this to the portfolio if you're looking for monthly income. Yeah, that's such a cool choice, Dad. I know um, like real estate investments, they always are of high interest, you know? So many people, you know, maybe not don't have the capital themselves to go out and uh, get exposure to real estate. This is just uh, such a sweet alternative. And when you look at those dividend paying numbers that you just went over those streaks, like, holy smokes, what a... What a reliable, consistent. what a reliable and consistent option that was, Realty. No, and, and a good point, Brandon. You're right. A lot of people just aren't in real estate directly, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a way to play that with, you know, you don't have to worry about the professional management and everything else. There are a ton of REITs and a lot of them are paying out, I think, way more than they should. So you have to be careful, bless you. You have to be careful that you're not, don't get sucked in by high yields, as always, anytime you're looking at any kind of dividend or any company in general, but uh, great, great alternative to directly owning uh, yourself too, yeah. Cool pick. Way to yeah. start it off. Um, why don't I transition now then into my selection? And 
This one is a Canadian option. So again, just to reiterate, yours back there was a US option. This is our Canadian one. And we're going to be starting off with the ETF. The ticker is ZDV.TO. And this is the BMO Canadian Dividend ETF. Very classic, very simple name. Today, it's yielding 4.17%, which I don't believe it says on this chart. But I myself and personally a big, big fan of the BMO lines of ETFs. They have a lot of great options. Actually, one I very heavily considered covering in this video was their covered call options because they use that strategy in a lot of their funds. BMO along with the big two and um, iShares and Vanguard, which I believe you may be covering one later, Dad. I don't want to step on your toes there. I am covering another ETF, an iShares ETF, yeah. An iShares ETF. Well, to me, those two are kind of, I always like to put those up at the top and then BMO's right there with them. I mean, they're not as big, but of all the big banks that offer them, I'm a huge fan here in the Canadian market of BMO. And this ETF in particular, what what this fund focuses on is it focuses on companies with a three-year dividend growth rate. So you know, that's not a huge growth rate by any means. To me, that's actually a low bar to hit, but you are getting exposure to high dividend payers in Canada rather than just the broader market. This would be considered a medium risk fund. And as we see the distributions, or we could call them dividends, um, these would be paid out on a monthly basis. So every month you're getting a little kickback from this fund. One thing that I would like to consider, and obviously I'm sure most of us are familiar with ETFs. In fact, as you mentioned, we get a lot of, uh, questions and requests to cover Canadian ETFs. This fund does come at a slightly higher fee. Today, the fee that you'd be paying or the MER is 0.38%. And if you were to compare that up to, let's just say a broad Canadian index fund, such as XIC, which is one that we follow in uh, quite closely, that's at 0.06%. So again, these aren't massive numbers at the end of the day. You're not paying, you know, two, three percentage points, but there is still a difference. As you get more focused, as you get more specialized, it is very common that we see these dividend numbers increase. Um, You do also see the variance in the dividend, however, because yeah, if you looked at just the broader XIC uh, ETF, I believe that ETF today is yielding about two point something percent, 2.2. This dividend fund by BMO is yielding up in the 4% range. So you are getting a big difference there. To look at the exact holdings of this fund and what you would be inherently investing in, it owns 51 companies, 99% invested in stocks, and they're very evenly weighted. You're going to recognize, obviously, a bunch of these names as they're some of the biggest companies in Canada. Bank of Nova Scotia today is the largest holding, Royal Bank, Enbridge, TD Bank, CIBC. You'll notice a big heavy weighting to the financials, energy quite common. Um, And then we have the telecoms, at least up here in the big uh, top 10 list. To me, this is a very solid and healthy breakdown. If I was going to run some quick numbers for you guys, if you invested $10,000, that would be the equivalent of about $417 per year. Or if we want to look at that, look at that on a monthly basis, you'd be gener- generating about $34.75 in dividend income every month from a fund like this. So I think that this would be a very suitable choice, Dad, for two primary people. I'll get you back up on the screen here. I think this would be... a uh, suitable for two people. Obviously, if you're an index fund investor, obviously, if you're not into individual stocks, well, hey, uh, maybe if you're not comfortable owning individual stocks for whatever personal reasons, this could be a very suitable option if you're looking for higher yields. And actually, uh, a layer beneath that is even if you are an individual uh, invest uh, stock investor, what's cool about this fund is you're getting exposure to all of these quarterly dividend paying companies, but you're getting the monthly payouts. 
right? It's kind of like a back door. I mean, like we talked about, what if you want to own Telus? What if you want to own, you know, uh, what were the examples here? Bank of Nova Scotia, Royal Bank, but you do still want those monthly payouts. This fund basically collects all the, all the dividends and they'll kick out distributions to you monthly. So it's a backdoor for both types of, well, for that, that type of investor. Um, overall, it's a very solid fund. Ticker again is VDZ. No, ZDV. I, I always mess that up. ZDV. And it trades for $18 a share. So that would be my first uh, pick to start things off for monthly income. No, good, good points on that, Brandon. And yeah, like you said, I'll be covering an ETF uh, just a little, in a few minutes and probably very similar. I, you know, there's a lot of overlap in the mm-hmm. monthly dividend ETFs, but we'll cover that off just as an alternative as well. Um, I'll go into my second pick today, which is Pembina Pipelines. Now, the ticker on this trading on the talk, uh, Toronto Stock Exchange is PPL. Uh, it also trades as PBA on the New York Stock Exchange. The price is around $37 a share. It has a market cap of almost $16 billion today and sales of about $5 billion. The headquarters for Pemina Pipelines is in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, a lot of people in Canada, of course, because our our um, industry is so geared towards the energy sector, so heavily weighted there, will be familiar with the company. Uh, basically, it provides transportation and midstream services for the energy system, predominantly in Canada, but in, uh, you know, in North America, other areas as well. Uh, of note, the company a couple of years ago, 2019, bought a, a good chunk of Kinder Morgan, the American company, for around $4.4 billion. And I think that added some depth to, to what the company does overall. Major sectors, it operates in three different segments, the pipelines, uh, the facilities, and then marketing and new ventures is what they call it. More than half of the revenue, about 57%, comes from the pipelines operations, about 30% from facilities. And the balance around 13% comes from that marketing and new ventures uh, segments. Most of the cash flow that comes into Pemina Pipeline is it's a bit of, you know, the way that they operate is a bit unusual in there are called take or pay or fee for service contracts. So basically what these are is the customer pays a fee to Pemina uh, calculated on a using a, a pro rata uh, operating expenses plus a return on dividend or on invested capital rather. Now that's a little bit confusing, but basically what it means is they go into these longer term contracts with a, a, a predetermined cash flow that's going to be coming in based on the underlying operations. So they're typically very long term and extendable contracts at Pemina Pipeline's um, option in that case. And I like that because it does provide a very steady cash flow, a very predictable cash flow. Now, that said, this company operates in the energy sector, which is inherently volatile. So, you know, to say anything in this sector is steady and predictable is, you know, maybe a bit of an outlier. But from that perspective, they have predictability um, as far as the cash flow is concerned. Uh, looking at their dividend, they're paying a very attractive, uh, healthy yield of <clears throat> just under 7%. They also have a compound annual growth rate of the last five years of the same, around 7%. If you look at the chart that we'll throw up on the screen, the orange bars shows the quarterly dividend. And you can see going back a decade, uh, very consistent, uh, growing at that nice, healthy uh, uh, increase. And uh, with a you know, very reasonable, I say the, the, the dividend itself is strong. And the growth rate is strong. I would expect that to continue continue going forward. Uh, to summarize with Pemina, I would say that the company has a, a good long-term track record. It has a, a good uh, growth strategy. And for attractive yield in this space paid out on that monthly basis, uh, Pemina Pipeline is a company that is worth having a look at for sure. 
Cool. As you noted there, a lot of the monthly dividend payers, they do tend to be in the energy sector. You notice that, right? Well, I mean, the, yes, the energy, uh, financials, REITs. I mean, that's kind of where you're going to have most of the bulk. And I think when we get to my ETF, I'm going to be looking at, you're going to see a, a large weighting in those spaces because that's where the predictable cash flow comes. Yeah. Totally. Well, on the topic of REITs, I'll switch over to mine, which is uh, Canadian Choice. And it is the company RioCan. Ticker is R-E-I dot U-N. And on the particular chart that you're looking at, it does say a 7.17% yield. This is actually incorrect. This hasn't reflected uh, the cut, which we're going to speak about in a second. Actually, a more uh, proper yield should be somewhere in the ballpark of 4.74%. So very important that you sometimes are aware of this, that uh, you know you don't just take everything at face value because we'll speak on the what the news that happened last year. I actually did a video uh, recently on... Um, Real can. And you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of REITs, just not just simply a personal preference. And I actually concluded that video saying, yeah, you know, Real can's probably not the pick for me at the moment. I was worried about some tougher things ahead. Thus far, that hasn't played out too well for me because Real can is actually up 30-ish percent off those lows. It's it's picked up, it's seen a bit of a strong recovery. And it kind of makes me think, you know, when you talked about realty income, Dad, you talked about the quality of tenants, you talked about just how um Yes, a lot of the tenants are hurting, but they are just top tier, top grade. In re in RioCan's case, a very similar case, 90% does come from retail. That's the strong majority. And I, all the time, even here, uh, I walk by strip malls that are all powered and managed by RioCan. Um, I always like seeing that, kind of seeing it in, in person in real life. But on the bright side as well, you know, a lot of their tenant mix comes from things like grocery from pharmacy and liquor, which we would consider essential services. Uh, even here, I've highlighted for you as essential personal services. Again, you do have your portion that are allocated to the theaters, as you touched on, and there are the tougher hit areas. But as you see with names such as these, um, you know, top quality companies, they were still able to collect a very large chunk of cash as well. So it's um, it does get you thinking. Now, like, I don't want to... Uh, Personally, I still consider this, I don't have the absolute confidence in this company. I don't think, um, you know, we're just past this whole pandemic thing and there could still be more in store. So I don't know what you think about that, dad. Um, again, we've made, we've made it this far through the pandemic. I mean, here the cases are still kind of spiking up today, I believe, right? Well, yeah, this past week we saw, at least in our area, we saw things. Um, I'm here. I don't know how, I don't know how accurate this is. I'm hearing talks of a potentially another lockdown. Is that true? Yeah, that's what I've heard right now. A the, year later, the current lockdown is extended uh, are projected to end on your birthday. Yeah. The next week. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, oh, in a week and a half or so. Good memory. No, next week in three days is your birthday. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, but the, the talk is that that will be extended, you know, the restaurant lockdowns and, and we're only speaking of, British Columbia right now. I mean, I know a lot of places. So, and the point why I bring that up is, you know, you just think from a, from a logical level, these companies should be struggling yet. They're still collecting rent and that's, it's good to see. One of the things though, however, last year is that when companies started facing difficulties, real can did cut their dividend by 33%. So that was obviously a big, uh, big notable, event with the company, the share price dropped accordingly. They dropped their dividend from 12 cents per share or per unit per month down to eight, uh, eight cents. Now the math on that is again, 
even if we invested $10,000 in this company post cut after they've uh, dropped it down to eight cents, that's still $474 per year, which is not too shabby in my opinion. That's $39.50 per month. So yeah, it's not as high as it once was, but it's still solid. And I guess with the vaccine being rolled out and, you know, I guess it is a little, people are kind of thinking more promisingly that, um, yeah, maybe the economy can start opening up sooner than later. Clearly the share price has reflected that. And yeah, I, I could have been wrong with my real camp pick. Again, it's something, it's a stock that you, I would consider, um, not, uh, super confident in, but still, if you want the monthly income, like it's something, these are the types of things you weigh, right? It could be almost yeah. uh, it could be almost like a reopening play in a sense. Uh, good. I mean, I like what you just said and sort of the explanation behind it, Brandon. And and I think that just goes to show you may be extremely confident on company A and it does poorly, or you could be skeptical of company B and it does very well. You just you know you do your homework, you you balance things out mm -hmm. and place various chips on the table, and some of them pan out right away, and others take a while to come to fruition right so yeah well that was my, that was my second pick that was my reach um i can throw it back over to you before we get into our last two selections and then, our, and, then our, and then our summary right? we have a summary at the end as well we will yeah cool. uh, okay i'm going to then uh talk about my the etf that i've chosen and and brandon like you said earlier your bmo uh etf had this real simple i think it was the bmo dividend etf Something like well, that. the one I chose, it's going to take a while to even say the name. The company or the, the ETF I'm going to look at today is called the iShares S&P TSX Canadian Dividend Aristocrats Index ETF. So that is a mouthful. The ticker, though, is CDZ. And so that's a lot easier. If you, if you punch in CDZ, you'll know what this, you'll be able to look up this company. It's trading at just under $30 a share right now. The the explanation on this fund will be relatively short because it's similar to what you talked about, Brandon. Uh, essentially, the, the 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 objective of the fund is to replicate the Toronto Stock Exchange Canadian Dividend Aristocrats Index, and then of course less fees and expenses it, on any index. You're always going to have the objective of the index, and then you're going to have those fees and expenses that are going to come off the top there. Couple of things to note, uh, and you did touch on this earlier, so I will be brief. There is, I would say, a very concentrated exposure. So anytime you're getting an index fund, you're buying the index. Now, this is not the full TSX. Mm -hmm. It actually has about, I think, 86 or 87 holdings in it right now. So a smaller number. They're focused on REITs, energy, financials, real estate, and utilities. Those are the sectors that tend to pay uh, the more, you know, the cash flow is frequent and the, uh, the distributions tend to be on a monthly basis. About 77% of the fund today is concentrated in those five industries. So our very heavy. it's heavy, um, but if you're going to go with this monthly, as you said at the outset, Brandon, if you're going to be focused on this monthly income, the choices are are less broad than if you're going for, you know, the whole spectrum. So you're going to expect that concentration, mm -hmm. but it does achieve the objective of paying monthly dividends and for the and you're you're buying good quality companies it's not like with that concentration you are taking speculative risks you're buying the banks and the finance you know the the insurance companies and the big energy companies so a lot of uh solid you know predictability there but you know you're going to have those ups and downs predictably volatile i guess you could say in some of those sectors yeah. the the etf is currently yielding about 3.4% which is about 8% per unit on a monthly basis uh you talked earlier and you always have to look at expenses when you're looking at any type of fund 
your the BMO fund, I think you said was around 34 basis points, somewhere in that range. The the expense for this fund is 0.66%. So it is a higher management expense ratio. And you know, I, I'm never I like lower fees. I think focusing on lower fees is one of the things you always need to look at when you're investing. But if you will benefit from mm -hmm. the services that you get, an option is to go out and build your own portfolio. And many of us do that. And you can avoid those fees altogether. But if you aren't there yet, or if maybe some people never want to get there and you believe there's just the, the value to paying the the uh, MER, well, then, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, you factor that in in your ultimate decision. and a not a bad strategy might be to have a, a fund like this that forms, let's say, the core of your equity exposure, and then you can, you know, buy on the periphery yeah. around that. So uh, it depends on you know your style, what you're looking for. But uh, I guess I'll just wrap up by saying you're buying a big chunk of the Canadian uh, market, about 75, 77 percent of that. You're getting the monthly income. You are paying a cost for that. So at the end of the day, do your due diligence and see how that fits into your strategy. I like it. Well, yeah. Why don't I finish off with my final pick? And this is an individual stock. So maybe one to complement with an ETF of uh, ones we selected today. It is the company TransAlta Renewables. The ticker here is RNW and the dividend is $4. Uh, four, today's dividend is 4.61%. And yeah, I know you selected Pembina. We talked about uh, energy. This is obviously a company in the utility side because that's one of those other areas that's very, very uh, cash flow heavy. This company is based in Calgary. So they're a power utility company, obviously focus on renewable, renewable sources. This would include things like wind power, natural gas, hydro, even actually a little bit of solar. And they are actually, fun fact, Canada's largest generator of wind power. So that's a cool way to remember them by this company has actually done quite well coming out of the pandemic. It has sold off a bit recently. One thing that I would like to make clear is you don't want to get this company confused with Transalta Corp. So it's very important to distinguish the two because RNW has only been around since about 2013. What you're looking at on the screen is actually Transal Transalta Corp. This would be what we guess we could consider the parent company and they do have ties and a lot of backing. And actually what I wanted to look at in this a quick little segment is actually look at both financials and both numbers. I think it's important to also know who's kind of behind, um, you know, who's behind the layers here. If we were to pull up a picture of this is Transalta Corp. Okay. So not the company that we're looking at today. One thing I noticed right off the bat is that they aren't really growing too heavily. In fact, we could say technically revenues have been dropping. Cash flow has been very, very steady and they don't pay as big of a dividend, but Hey, maybe that's why they're able to um, have nice yields over the years. RNW, however, so Transalta Renewables, the numbers do look better. Here we see revenue is growing, cash flow increasing. One thing to consider is the payout ratio is quite high at the moment. And with this company being in the very capital intensive space that it's in, especially again, it's a quote unquote newer company, they are investing a lot and they have been investing a lot over the years. When you look at the new facilities they're taking on, the acquisitions, um, that does cost money. That is going to show up temporarily. But I think, um, in my opinion, especially when you already have a foothold uh, here in Canada, like, you know, Canada's largest wind uh, power producer, you get the infrastructure laid and you make sure you're not getting uh, too ahead of yourself. It's something that I think will pay dividends down the road. And then as for the dividend itself with this company, 
I find it funny. They say here, strong dividend growth. I mean, it's only 3% compound growth rate. I, I wouldn't consider that strong by any means. Um, hey, it is what it is, I guess. But um, nevertheless, they're able to maintain and slightly grow the dividend. They're estimating cash for 2021. This fiscal year is going to be bumped up to help pay these dividends. Of course, this is a monthly dividend payer, as we mentioned. Quick math on this company is that it gives you a $10,000 investment, would give you $461 per year. That's the equivalent of $38.41 per month. So at the end of the day, this is a company that I think is in a field that a lot of people have interest in. You know, companies that are are really starting to shift this way to the low carbon emissions, to the renewable energy sources. Um, it's we're seeing that here in Canada. This company operates, by the way, in US and actually a bit in Australia as well. But to me, again, just to get that infrastructure laid up front, that is the big key component. And it looks like they're in the process of doing that. Today, the shares trade at $20.20. If this is an area that you feel uh, you have high conviction on and you you know want to be investing in the whole greener world, uh, this company is really, it, again, it's done well. And I would, uh, at least in terms of dividend, I would expect that to continue. And it's a monthly payer. So that's our six stocks for today's video. You know what you just said, Brandon, talking about the the rollout and how long these things can take. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, if I think back through my career, there's some of these moments where you embark on the next big thing and <clears throat> decades later, they're still rolling out. And it's so oh, yeah. easy to get excited about, well, I mean, renewables is one of the things. Heck, I think back 25 years mm -hmm. when by by 2010, all cars were going to be, you know, fueled by fuel cells. And, and well, it, 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 it's so, funny when you when you look at these projections and companies are going to be, oh, we'll be 100 percent sustainable energy by, you know, 50 years in, uh, down the road. And that's their projections. Like you said, is that even going to be a realistic target? At least they're striving towards it. I think that's what's important. Oh, absolutely. And we are inevitably going there. Yeah. But mm -hmm. wow, sometimes these trends, you're talking about long term trends. Yeah. Uh, a big uh well a big part of that is the starting of that trend right so yeah you got to get there and, and it, i think it is inevitable but yeah i think that with our selection there we, we gave a pretty good range of monthly dividend pairs right well i hope so and, and that's kind of the objective here the objective isn't to say go out tomorrow and buy these for your portfolio no. the whole idea is to educate and say these are the options out there and on most of the services, if you go on now and you're doing research on any one of these companies, you can look at competitors. You can look at their oh, peers yeah. in the industry and you know, do a, a dive and see where you know they fit more into your portfolio choices. So by all means, the goal is, and, you know, we started two weeks ago now with the, you know, the three different categories we've gone through and it's building a portfolio. You're, nobody should be have at this point own all of these 18 companies I hope nobody's yeah. done that. Yeah. I hope nobody's done that. But as a starting point and more from a conceptual standpoint, this is these are the processes that you go through when you are actually putting your money in and, and investing. So totally. Uh, so yeah, I think our hope our hopefully, anyways, we're showing a wide variety of options. And certainly, you know, you know, I'm fairly new to the YouTube thing, and I know we're going to get comments that what about this or you missed that or you know, and yeah, there's hundreds of options mm -hmm. out there that can't cover, them so we can't cover them off, or we'd be talking till you know next year. But um, starting points that's all kind of we're trying to provide here, right? Totally. Now, what we have done the last couple of weeks, and I think we're going to do it again, is sort of 
uh, we started the chart that we created that shows the different uh, companies, their yields, and, and the cash flow. So let's have a look. Uh, if we can do that now, Brandon, and look at Pop that. Up. And yeah, this and this, by the way, is live. We've got a bunch of people already met using these tools and spreadsheets in our private <laughs> membership group. So yeah, this is one of the tools which we mentioned in the last video. But our membership group is live now for anyone that wants to check it out below. But yeah, go on, Dad. Sorry to cut you off. Hey, sure. If you don't, if you can pop that up on the chart. Um, so we're going to look, Brad, if you could focus it on the left side of the chart first. And just as a quick summary, this is the, the where we have the companies, their yields, and then the months in which they pay out cash flow. So January, February through to December. And you'll notice now a, a huge addition, a huge change yep. to this chart is the bottom part of the chart, which shows why, 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 why every month. So the six companies or ETFs that we've put in today have that monthly now if you look over to the right side of that chart this is simply the you know again the month by month and it shows each of the companies a very graphic description of how the quarterly ones you'll see how they pay in there and then now a much smaller number and these are all based keep in mind on a thousand dollar investment uh, mm -hmm. of each of these companies so you're seeing more in the range of four to six dollars, uh, which is not bad if you look at the yield on a monthly basis. If you go to the right side, you're gonna see the total on an annual basis and that will mesh up pretty well with the quarterly dividend payers. It all comes down to the yield. Lastly, on this chart, if you look at the top part, just in graphical format, that shows the bar chart with, you know, you're starting to get now the concept of how you, you have a mixture of the dividend. It's like different sources of income that are coming in and you can do a projection there as to on a monthly basis, uh, how that's gonna play out as far as your cash flow is concerned. So whether you're you know dripping and reinvesting or whether you're taking that in to go to the movie theaters well when they open up again or you know, yeah. to go whatever, wherever you can spend your money on right now, uh, there are still some expenses you need you know, to, to uh, look after. So that gives you a good idea of how that works in the real world. And then it's really, it's the, the, our little hypothetical portfolio here is really starting to take shape. It's starting to look like a real, starting to look like a real portfolio at this point. Do a, create a name and do an ETF up of these things. <laughs> we should start a fund. Maybe we'll start a little fund here on, uh, on the channel. Um, that's awesome. I, again, I think the takeaway to finish up and wrap up this video is that like, and again, you, you can chime in whatever you feel here, dad, to me personally, I wouldn't want investors to get too focused on monthly dividend payers. As you said, that's not the standard quo. You wouldn't want to just uh, miss out on great companies such as the Teluses of the world and such as the Canadian National Railways, which we cover, which don't pay quarterly because you're so focused on that. If you need the income quarterly, just start withdrawing it from your portfolio or monthly factor in your payments and then just pull it out accordingly. Uh, that would be my takeaway. But of course, there are still some phenomenal companies out there that pay monthly dividends as we detail today. And that's, uh, it's all forming the bigger picture. I, I see two major groups. I see uh, if you're predominantly an ETF investor, then mm -hmm. this it makes this challenge much easier because a lot of those ETFs pay out on a monthly basis. Like you said earlier, Brandon, they're collecting quarterly, but they're paying out monthly. Mm -hmm. That makes it a lot easier. If you are though an investor who's built a portfolio of individual securities, then uh, I would say you probably shouldn't focus on the monthly because again, you're just constricting the number of companies or the choices and you're leaving some really good investments on the, on the, uh, on the side. Right. So yeah, um, maybe a mixture, but I think you kind of said it right there, Brandon, as far as where your focus should be. Ultimately <laughs> you're always trying to invest in the best quality assets that are going to generate, you know, return and yield. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
never ever just focus on one aspect of it. That's a mistake a lot of people do make. Uh, so just I've, 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 I've covered many videos where I think investors they they lose sight of the bigger picture because they're yeah. so caught up in the in the in the minute details, such as when they pay dividends, such as my tax situation. When oh, I would say, or the first uh, video in the series is on high yields. So many people just go, oh, why am I going to get something that's paying three percent when yeah. when it, I could get seven percent or even higher, right? So. One, one size does not fit all for sure. Absolutely. And yeah. I guess uh, based on the suggestion, so uh, next episode is going to be aristocrats. And I We're think- We're going to do aristocrats. And I kind of covered that off today with the Canadian- Yeah. Mean, and that's the thing, that's, that's the thing, Dad. I mean, you know, with a lot of these companies, you do get carryover. You do. Absolutely. Yeah, there are, for sure. Some companies have really long streaks and they've been growing in a long time. Some companies- But if, if we focus, sorry to interrupt there, Brad, if we focus next week specifically on dividend aristocrats- mm-hmm. There are some long stretches out there in Canada. I think they use a five-year time period. For I've heard that five, five, fifteen. It really depends on how you categorize. But yeah, that's just it's it's easy to look at. We're easy look. decades worth <laughs> next oh, week. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Well, Good. yeah. Thank you everybody for sticking around this far in the video. If you made it this far, take a take a moment to drop a big thumbs up. Um, I hope you guys are still enjoying this series. It's coming to an end soon. It was, it was like a mini series, you know, it wasn't the uh, biggest thing, but it was a little, try to test something out, got to experiment with this platform. Hopefully my thing hasn't been lagging all video because yeah, I'm filming at my house because the internet was weird for some reason, but uh, I guess we'll, I'll have to edit this up after and see, but yeah. If, you, if you're not already subscribed to the channel and you want to see uh, the next upcoming series, video in the series, or go back and look at all the other ones, Hit that subscribe button. I think you have to hit the bell for notifications too. That way YouTube will notify you and show you when we make a post. You can stay up to date. And uh, as I touched on there, we do have our membership group. We have our investing academy down below for courses, training, uh, tools, and everything you need. We'll be right down there as that first link down below. But uh, yeah, any last thoughts, Dad, before we wrap it up? Um, I'm just going to say this is a blast. I really enjoy you know doing the homework, putting this together. I, I think – and for the most part, like Brandon's just picking his companies, I'm picking mine, and we're making sure that there's not an overlap. And it does bring a perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's definitive between you know the older generation and the newer generation. I, I think uh, what you've picked, I would pick, and probably yeah. vice versa as well. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying the process. And um, judging from the feedback, we're giving value, and that's ultimately what we're here to do. So, no, I just look forward to next week again. Um, now, gee, we got some nice summer weather, so it's harder to sit in the office and, and do the work on this. But uh, I hope wherever you're watching, you're having this beautiful weather we're having out here in the West Coast. Because man, It's windy, though. It's, I don't know if you noticed. It's been very, very windy. Very. No? Not at all. Just what? beautiful. Here. Yeah, oh. sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Oh, well. That's who, who cares? That's life. That's life. <laughs> yeah, that's life. So good. Well, thank you guys all for watching to the end. Uh, we'll see you in the next uh, next week's video. See ya. Bye bye.